Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, here we are, a game day. Finally, BYU and Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl. Hawaii chasing win number 10. Hawaii is like Utah last year. They made it the conference title game. It was a success. They had to win a big game. The Utah had to beat Oregon a year ago, and they did it with Shelley in the back of a quarterback. Hawaii had to beat San Diego State, a team they haven't had a lot of success with over the years, hadn't had any really recently. It had been a struggle, and they won that game 14-11. It got them in the conference title game. And for them, that was a big step forward. A nine-win season. They were in the Mountain West Conference title game for the first time in seven years, and it's a success. If they lose to BYU, it's a success. It's a weird season because they play 15 games. They're going to finish 9-6 and six or 10-5. and five. Those just don't sound like college numbers. You know, that just sounds weird to me. But uh, to win nine or ten games is a big year for Hawaii. But, hey, why not beat BYU? Why not get a tenth game? Hawaii, this may shock you, but Hawaii is a lot like Utah. I've got uncles and cousins who live out there, and I've never lived out there. And um, my dad's brothers married women who grew up in Hawaii, and so they moved there. And they've never lived in Utah. So we're out there on a family trip. And they start quizzing me, you know, what is Utah like? (coughs) And every time I tell them something, they're like, yeah, Hawaii's like that too. Whenever I tell them about Small Lake City, how everybody knows everybody, or you know, you have a third person in common and you don't know it until you start talking to them, they're like, oh yeah, that's totally Hawaii. (laughs) And, And the thing I told them is the physical isolation of actually being out in the middle of an ocean and having lived in other cities that were two hours away from other major cities. And it doesn't matter if you lived in San Francisco and Sacramento or San Diego and L.A. or Seattle and Portland. You know, it's only two to three hours to another city. That impacts things. It impacts people moving back away, going away to college, not going away so far. And like Utah, Salt Lake City in the metropolitan area, it's it's like six hours to Vegas, and it's eight hours to Reno and Denver, and it's five hours to Boise, and nothing against y'all from Boise, but there's not even anything in Boise, and it's still five hours there. So my point of telling you all this is, you know, sometimes in sports, we get a chip on our shoulder, and we just don't let it go. Dick Bavetta's a punchline 20 years later, right? Well, guess what? In Hawaii, they are not over BYU blowing them off and leaving the Mountain West. And Hawaii gets in the Mountain West, well, you know, partly because BYU left the Mountain West, right? So there's a whole that whole reorganization is, is uh, Utah and TCU and BYU all left. So Hawaii's in the Mountain West, but they still want to be BYU. That, that, that stuff's getting brought up out there. It's 20 years later, but it doesn't matter. The eight teams that left the 16-team WAC and formed the Mountain West, it's still a thing. All right, so let's hear now from BYU's quarterback and... The question now is, is Zach Wilson going to have a big game? The Hawaii defense isn't nearly as good as the San Diego State defense. He's coming off a bad game against the Aztec defense, but this ought to be a different deal. Here's Zach Wilson. Yeah, it's fun. It's a different element we're in, and you know the key comes down no, no matter where you're playing. You just got to be able to focus and execute your assignment. So I thought it was a good day. If it's like this weather uh, Tuesday night, what team does that favor you think? Um, I don't know if it favors anybody. I think, you know, no matter what, we're going to come to play. Um, I know those guys are going to come to play. I mean, they're, you know, they're from here. So, um, you know, I think we just, we just have to make it that it can't affect us. Do 
you like playing in the wind and wet? Or do you, you know, I, wind is the only thing that sucks for a quarterback. You can play in any other element, but but just you know, just because wind is something you can't really control, right? You know, you can you can do certain things to adjust in in the rain and the snow, and but but the wind always sucks because it's just blowing the ball around all over the place. But you know, we figure out a way to make it work. So, do you feel like the road team in this game? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they have any advantage on us. Um, you know, I think we're here and ready to play just like they are. We had a you know good month of preparation, just like just like they did. And so, you know, I'd say it's a pretty even, pretty even match. So you haven't, you've never thrown an incomplete pass in a bowl game, <laughs> as you probably know. Uh, yeah. What are you drawing upon from last year that maybe help you this year? Yeah, you know, nothing specific from last year. I would just say the biggest thing as a team is we got to finish strong, you know, end our season the right way, and and come out on a good note for the off season. Yeah, they're they're a little more sound than last year. I think they're they're a better defense than they were last year. Um, you know, they're willing to put up points. So uh, it's one of those teams we got to try and keep up with. You know, it's one of those teams we got to we got to score and take shots and and fire on those guys. And so uh, you know, they're a good team. They do well. You started your last uh, your first game against them. What was that like? What was that memory like? Yeah, it was exciting. It's a game I'll never forget. You know, we came out strong, uh, came out and got the W, but. You know, every year we got a new team, they got a new team. So it's a whole other battle this time. And uh, we're, on, we're on their home turf now. So, um, you know, we got to come out, come out ready to play. And I guess your father had spent a lot of time here, grew up here? Yes, my dad grew up here, uh, moved uh, Utah when he was 17 to play football. So, you know, we come here quite a bit, come out to Hawaii quite a bit. And, you know, my grandma's here. And, you know, we'll come spend some time with her. We'll check out the, the local beaches that he used to hang out in. And, uh, you know, get some good food. What did he tell you about Hawaii, or what did you know growing up? Uh, yeah, Hawaii? yeah. No, he had a he had a rough life. Um, you know, not the not the smoothest life, but you know, just living off the island is one of the best places to be, just because of the you know all the all the things you have, right? He loved growing up on the beach and, and his friends he made here, so he liked it. Zach, what do you guys got to do to be successful Tuesday Yeah, execution. It's taking it one play at a time. Um, you know, they're going to make plays in this game. That always happens. Every team makes plays. Nothing's perfect. It's just how can we rebound and then just, just keep chipping away and making those, making uh, every play count, just doing it the best we can on every play. They've switched, uh, they've had a lot of injuries and switched up a lot of their defense. Has it been hard to kind of find out exactly the pulse of what they've got going? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. They've had a couple guys that are, you know, suspect to play or not. And, you know, I think us as an offense, you know, they're still doing the same kind of scheme-wise, and they're they're still teaching everyone on the team the same techniques. And, and we know the guys that, you know, that we are preparing for. And so I think it's kind of one of those things you just adjust come game time of what it is. And, you know, I really don't think it should be too big of a deal of who they got out there. It's, you know, it's still the same defense. Hawaii fans have always viewed BYU as being a big, huge rivalry. What's it like on the other side? How does yeah. BYU view Yeah, Hawaii? it's most it's mostly the coaches. And I know Hawaii could speak the same. It's mostly the coaches that, that feel that rivalry just because of mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was a long time ago that, that this used to be such a heated rivalry. My dad even mentioned a little bit when he was from here that they felt BYU-Hawaii was the rivalry as well. So, you know, there might be a little bit going into that game of, you know, people mentioning something like that. But, you know, I think from a player standpoint, even on their side, it's, it's just another game for us and them. What are, you, what are you looking forward to doing outside of the football game? Yeah, yeah, we're just going to enjoy our time here, you know, go hang out at the beach. I think the biggest thing is just being in this warm weather. It's kind of, you know, it's rainy today, but, you know, 80-degree rain is still better than what we had out in Utah. So um, it's nice to be it's nice to be in a place with better weather. Hopefully the wind and, and rain can calm down and we'll have a good time with our families and, and the people up out here and then just, just keep our mind on the game. How many Wilsons are here? I got three. So I got my, my parents and my brother. That'll be here in the in the summer next year. And so he's kind of just checking it out to see, see what it's kind of like.
Have you ever met Zach Wilson from Hawaii? I haven't, but one time I got a call from Rolovich, um, you know, during season, and I was like, you know, what was he just calling me for? And he was actually trying to call the Zach Wilson on their team and just got mixed up with numbers. But it was pretty funny because that was when I first heard about him. I was like, oh, that's funny. They got a corner on their team named Zach Wilson. Did Hawaii ever try to recruit you? Yeah, so I got recruited. I got offered by Hawaii yeah. uh, my junior year from Craig Stutzman. And, you okay. know, great staff, very, very good staff. And, um, you know, you can't, you can't say anything bad about them, right? They're putting up tons of points and tons of yards, and they're, they're having a great season. Did you ever take a visit? Or? Yeah, so I didn't take an official visit out here. I was able to come out here for vacation okay. around the time I had just gotten offered by them. So I was able to come check out the facilities and check it all out just while my family was here on vacation. And how was it? Yeah, beautiful was, campus. Was uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, they were one of those teams that was hard to pass on just because of, you know, the the ability to, you know, sling the rock and all that kind of thing. But, you know, it was tough, the, the decision to come out to Hawaii and, you know, go away from everything and um, recruiting and so all that stuff. But it was a great campus, you know, very outdoorsy campus. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of uh, walls or ceilings on anything. I think you wear shorts to school. Yeah, you wear shorts to school. Thanks a lot. Yeah. All right, there is Zach Wilson as BYU gets ready for the game tonight. Uh, Andy Ludwig met with the media. The Utes are now a week away. Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Kind of weird the way that worked out with their bowl games. Uh, and, boy, you listen to him, and he says some interesting stuff, and he says some good stuff. Um, but there's also this line, like when he doesn't want to share information, he just cuts it short. And then the media, there's this whole trick in the media. It's great when you're interviewing people. You just smile and nod, and then people feel compelled to go forward, and they will tell you more stuff. Sometimes they'll tell you the best stuff. And Andy Ludwig doesn't fall for that. Listen to the silence in this interview. This cracks me up a couple of times. People are waiting like, yes, will you expound on that? Will you tell us more? And Andy's like, no, nope, I really don't want to talk about that. I'm not telling you more. We're done. <laughs> it's classic. Here's Utah's offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig. Let's talk about uh, Tyler Huntley's place in the program, obviously, uh, with Alex Smith and Brian Johnson. He ranks right up there with the best ones to play here. Isn't he? I, w- I would agree with that. He's had a sensational senior season, an excellent career, and uh, we're looking to cap it off the right way here next week. What says you guys connected early? Can you just maybe just talk about how you and Tyler connected? Well, it's it's a very uh, professional relationship. The, the young man is driven and focused. He wants to be a great player. Uh, doesn't say a whole lot in the meeting rooms, but he's, he's, his eyes are burning out of his sockets when you're talking. Uh, he does a great job of preparation. I think he appreciates the way that we go about preparing the game plan and discussing the details of each play, and uh, he does a nice job putting it on tape. Thank you. What's that, your takeaway from the Oregon game, Andy? Uh, we're, we're moved on past that, so we're just all our focus is on uh, University of Texas right now. What's to be learned from that game that you need to improve? Though? we got to play better. we got to play better on a big stage, and uh, there's, there'll be a lot of growth in this football game from that experience. Andy, once Tyler leaves, just how do you feel about the QB room? Yeah, I feel good. Uh, you know, we had an addition on signing day and uh, got some good young players in the room and the time to compete. You know, we've had good bowl preparation. Those young guys had a chance to get more reps, so I feel good about the direction of that room. Uh, they got big shoes to fill but I think most of those guys got big feet. So. Aside from the fact that he's played in a lot of games at a high level, what does Bentley maybe bring to the table that some of the other guys don't bring? Well, it'll be that, that sense of urgency that a senior has uh, in his final year of eligibility. And, uh, 
He's been super impressive in the recruiting process, and uh, he's been there and done that at a very high level. So I'm anxious for him to join the program. Did you actually recruit him while at Vanderbilt or just see him play? I did. He, uh, I went, went down and saw him uh, work out in the spring. He came up and visited the campus up there, had a chance to meet he and his mother. Uh, developed a little bit of a relationship with his father, who's a college football coach, and that kind of was the catalyst of getting that thing rolling. How much of a leg up does, uh, does Cam maybe have just because he's been in your system for a year going into the spring? Well, it helps. I mean, a lot. Uh, but he doesn't have the reps, the actual game reps uh, at a high level of competition that, that Jake would have. But he'll know all the terminology. He knows every routine that we have to go through where Jake is going to have to be learning it on the fly. Zach Moss a little bit. He's going to leave this program with a lot of records and a yeah. impact. Yeah, he's, he's a dynamic player, and what we have to do as an offensive unit, that's players and coaches, is put Zach in a position to go out on a very high note, and Zach's got to put himself in that position as well. So look forward to watching him play his final collegiate game. Remember what age Jake was when you first started recruiting him, sophomore and junior? He was in his – he was uh, – Sorry. He must – yeah. He, no. Was that when he was at Opelika? Yeah, I was in the Opelika. Okay. Yeah, I was down there in, yeah. in the spring, watched him practice in the spring. Uh, so that, that was his junior year. Okay. Yeah, going his junior year. Yep. What was the evolution of Jason Shelley moving to defense? Uh, necessity. How confident are you when Zach leaves that you've got guys in the back room that can make that transition easier? Very confident. Okay, uh, what is the history and the evolution of the fly sweep in your scheme? How did that all start and how has it developed? Uh, it started, it started, I, th I think it was 2006 or 2007 when, when Brian Johnson was injured. He was playing with an injured shoulder. It was 2007 and we were trying to manufacture yardage. It was, things were hard uh, at different times in the course of that year. And I don't know if you remember it, but we had that that version, that play of that a version of that play in that season. It has carried on with me through my career. But at the University of Wisconsin, I learned a new way of blocking it, and have done it since then uh, with that version of it. And that's what you're seeing uh, the Utes execute now. So I attribute that whole series of plays to a coach named Mark Speckman out of Salinas, California. He's now at uh, Cal Davis as the running back coach, but he's kind of the grandfather of the fly sweep. We're, we run a very simplified version of what he does, but uh, it gives the chance to highlight different player skill sets and abilities. So it's, it's, a, it's been good. We look forward to that to continue for us. Well, what makes it a difficult play for defenses? Uh, there's the, the deception el element of it where the offensive line and the running back are going left, but the fly sweeper's going right. So, and then, and then there's complementary plays off it that are also can cause conflict with the defense. And with one game to go, what, what's your sense of the progress the offense has made this season? Oh, I think, I think uh, we've, we've made good progress, and uh, it's a good football team. I still think we're at the 1.0 version of the offense. It has grown a little bit each week, but there's still weeks where we put in something new and it's the first time the players have heard it. Uh, I just think that the second go-around, the second year in the system, will be so much uh, cleaner than the first year. So I uh, look forward to putting some of that on tape here, or a lot of that on tape in the bowl game, and then moving forward to spring ball.
There's Utah offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig as the Utes get ready for the game against the Longhorns. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, enough of the college football. Let's talk jazz basketball. The Jazz and the Miami Heat, the last game before Christmas. Uh, the Blazers are here on Thursday night, the night after Christmas, for a TNT game, late game on TNT on the 26th at 8.30. Uh, the Jazz, the Heat, the best of the postgame show, coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So, the Utah Jazz lose a game in Miami and make a couple of moves. They trade for Jordan Clarkson, Dante Exum, and two second-round picks are gone. We all knew Dante was going to get moved. It's just a question of when and who'd be coming back. And Clarkson, at 6'4", doesn't have as much size as Exum, but he does have some size at 6'4", and gives him some scoring punch off the bench. Defensively, a second unit that's got Moutier and Clarkson and Yang, Seems a little defensively suspect, but I assume the Jazz have considered that and will be altering the uh, altering maybe the help that they get behind him with Rudy. We'll see how the combinations work off the bench. Also, Jeff Green waved, and we'll see if that means someone from the Stars is getting promoted. You would think that uh, with a long win streak, double digits, that uh, someone like Brantley would get get a shot here. And uh, there's been some early reporting of that, and I suspect that'll prove to be true. Waiting to see the official email from the Jazz. All right, enough of that. The, uh, the player moves, trying to bolster the bench, a bench which I thought actually played well last night in both appearances, both the first half and the second half, and that's been rare this year. But in the fourth quarter with the game on the line and the starters coming back in, they, uh, the finishers, I guess we should call them, uh, couldn't get the job done. Most nights they do, but they couldn't do it in Miami where the Heat are very good. They've only lost one game all year. Best record at home in the NBA. And they got it done in the final minutes against the Jazz, and they get the win there. Uh, doing, doing the heavy lifting in the fourth quarter. Big 10-0 run. I think it was 19-4. to It was huge. They took over the game and then held off a late charge from the Jazz. Here's the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz fall last night in Miami, 107-104. Of course, that, uh, that the game took a backseat to all the roster news uh, for the Utah Jazz yesterday. If uh, you're just waking up, uh, waking up and uh, didn't have a chance to hear all the news, we started out in the pregame show by learning that the Jazz have traded Dante Exum and two future second-round draft picks to the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for Jordan Clarkson. So the Jazz getting some help with the bench. And, you know, the the book on Dante Exum coming to a, a, a sad close almost as uh, a lot of people have been waiting for him to turn the corner and, and being patient through all the injuries. And now he's on and uh, a Cleveland Cavalier and Jordan Clarkson is coming back. Then, of course, uh, we get the game out of the way and the Jazz fall in Miami. And we find out shortly thereafter in the postgame show that the Jazz are waving Jeff Green. And then we find out to where that roster spot is going. ESPN reported that the Jazz uh, finalized the deal 
deal with G League foreman or forward Ray John Tucker. So he will be joining the Utah Jazz. So roster movement, big story last night, but the Jazz did fall in Miami 107-104, snapping a five-game winning streak. Let's get you some sound from the postgame. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Those situations, he was hitting a couple shots that, you know, I don't know if we could do any more. Um, but there were some other situations where I felt like we had more control over the game. And, you know, and we didn't, you know, we didn't come up with a couple of loose balls. We missed a couple rebounds. We had a couple of turnovers. It's a lot of little things that chipped away at it. Um, and, you know, that those are those hurt because you feel like you're, you, I know how hard we're competing and we did a lot of good things. Um, He's got to, got to be incrementally better in a lot of situations in order to win on the road against a team like Miami. When, uh, what changed for you guys offensively in that fourth quarter? You I think we got a Well, did you see our shots? You know, I thought we got tired. We had some really good looks. Um, they trapped us, um, but you know, a couple possessions early, maybe we didn't handle it as well as we could have, but. You know, we got we got good looks, um, and that that's what you have to do when someone's going to double you or whatever the recognition was in the reads. But you know, I thought we got a little tired, uh, and then not getting stops doesn't give you an opportunity to score for your defense. You know, it happened to us in the first half when we fouled. Um, they set up, and they, at that point they were in zone. Um, but they were able to set their defense, and we had attack and set defense. And then in the second half, um, you know couple guys getting hot and then giving up some some defensive rebounds a lot of times you look at your offense and it points you back to your defense but we had we had we had good shots even though you didn't win can you take some moral victory out of this at all considering you played so well well you know it's we want to set the bar high so um we need to play better you know when i say better i think we we have started to play better. I think we're a team that's improving, but you know, that that's not enough. And I don't think any of our guys are satisfied with that. And that's what gives you a chance to get better. Um, you know, that's a really, really good team. Obviously, and, you know, at home, and you know, we did a lot of things that you know you need to do to win. But we've we've got to do some more. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team fell to the Heat 107-104. Up next, Donovan Mitchell. I think we played really well, but he's had little breakdowns, you know, um, that just can't happen. And then on top of that, we didn't make shots. At the end, you know, we got looks we wanted, we did what we wanted. He just shots didn't fall, and they, and they made some. You guys fought hard, and then like he's talking about that fourth quarter, and Hero definitely got going. What did what did you see there? I took my ass. Six straight possessions. Um, credit to him. You know, like Kyle's dribble, and I'm. And he did his thing. You know, he capitalized on my, my poor defense. And I take credit for I take the blame for that. That's on me. You know, he, he kicked my ass for three straight possessions and then I had to be switched off him. So we'll see him again. Do you feel like you take some moral victory out of playing so well and bring this team to the end? Uh, yeah, you know, but, you know, we're not in the mood for moral victories anymore. You know, we've, we've passed that point. I think this is a game we came in expecting to win. But, you know, that when you lose like that, I think there's certain possessions where it's like mental things that we could get back. And you can keep saying it. But, you know, that's what separates teams like, like ourselves. And they're at, what, the 
two seed right now, and we're a six seed. You know, we got three seed. You know that we got to be able to, to execute late. We got to be able to execute on little things. And um, like I said, we'll get better and we'll see him again. Donovan, the uh, news broke right before the game that yeah, Donovan yeah. been traded. What can, uh, that's my that's my guy, man. You know, it's it's, it's moments like this. You always remember that it, that it is a business, and you know he's a guy that's been so, such an incredible spirit. You know, obviously having gone through what he's went through injury wise and all that, and you know for him, I, I wish him all the best. You know, I loved him as a teammate, a great teammate, a great dude, and you know he's he's a guy that just just always lighthearted and always always in a great mood, and we're definitely gonna miss his presence. You know, I think for for him, this is this is the first time he's been like traded. You know, so this is something new for him. But you know, I think all the guys are gonna miss him for sure, and you know, I think you know for, for him, I just wish him the best of luck, man. You know, and to stay healthy because he's a guy that really puts the work in behind closed doors that people don't see and puts on a lot a lot of hours in, and um, I respect him and I love him for that. I don't know much, to be honest. Um, I mean, I know he's a scorer. You know, he, can, he, he can really get going. I don't know too much, but um, I'm, I'm excited to have him. You know, he's going to add some scoring to, to our team and, you know, hope he's ready to go. That was Donovan Mitchell. He had 13 points, didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Five of 18. He did have seven assists. You, t- you heard him talk about some tough defensive possessions down the stretch against Tyler Hero. You also heard him uh, bid a fond farewell to Dante Exum and uh, talk about uh, Jordan Clarkson joining the team. All right, let's uh, now let you hear from Boyan Bogdanovich. A couple turnovers and then they, some of some of their guys get a get a hot hero hero hit a couple couple shots, but uh, that, that that was the key. I don't think that we played that we played bad bad game, but it was not not enough today. Do you take any solace in the fact that you did play so well against a team that was really good at home, even though you came up a little short? I mean, it, it's tough to say right now, but I think after the loss, but I think that we are we are getting better every every single every single game. We know that it's going to be tough. They are one of the one of the best teams in the, one of the best teams in the league, especially especially at home. But like I said, we had a lot of lot of wide open shots that we that we didn't that we didn't knock down. Joe was the only only guy offensively that. Uh, Found some some reading, so tough loss at the end of the day for the for the end of this road trip. But we got another one in two days, so we gotta be we gotta be ready. How much did the three fouls in the first quarter really kind of affect your rhythm? I kind of affect me. Took me from from my game. I didn't play for whole whole second quarter, so basically I started I started to play in in, in the third quarter. So I was I was kind of cold and and. and some some bad calls, but uh, at the end of the day, that's that's not the reason why we why we lost the game. That was Boyan Bogdanovich, 19 points, four of 14 shooting. He had four rebounds and three assists. And again, the Jazz fall in Miami to the Heat, 107-104. There is the best of the postgame show. More on the Jazz moves coming up, but we got a bowl game tonight, and PK and I'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. I know we're supposed to talk bulls right now, and I hear this music, and I'm, I'm not feeling Texas. I'm not feeling San Antonio and Frisco. I'm, I'm feeling tropical. <laughs> Understood. 
That's a tropical Rudolph song. Anyway, all right. So we have a, a, a pet gripe in the media. And it's a thing that only really concerns us. And fans, I don't think, get into this. Maybe a few do. But we like stories, number one. And we don't like too many stories at the same time. And we'll gripe about it when it's messed up. We got too many stories today. They ought to spread these out. PK, the bull season, we got a great schedule here. Focus on the Aggies. You focus on the Cougars. And later you focus on the Utes. Nice and spread out. Don't have too many stories all at once. It's time to put BYU in the bowl game front and center here as BYU gets ready to face Hawaii. A team that they've done really well against lately. They don't play all the time anymore. You know, conference games back in the day. If you're old enough to remember the 80s and 90s, that was great. But BYU's won five in a row since Hawaii wrecked Gary Croton's first season when the Cougars were 12-0 and went out there and turned it over like seven or eight times and gave up 70 points and lost. Since then, they've kind of owned Hawaii, but this game feels different. Number one, this Hawaii team is better than most of the Hawaii teams BYU has beaten. There's that. And then also, the Cougars, you just don't know what you're going to get in any game. If there's anything we've learned from the first 12, they're all over the map, even inside a game. I mean, people can get frustrated about the Toledo loss, but they didn't stink the whole game. They led for a big chunk of the game and lost in the fourth quarter, and the same thing goes for South Florida. So when it comes to the prediction business for this one, well, good luck with that. Okay, I can buy all that. Uh, I think the line is like last I saw was BYU 2, so that obviously is very narrow margin there and then if you win by one who cares what the margin is i i just think for the byu program what's at stake here it's about momentum of the program because this program is in a situation where it's never been in before it is being an independent and continually trying to find its way and you have a new coach and even though he's in his fourth year right he's still to a degree, unproven, and it wasn't until the end of this season when Tom Olmo told the players that Kalani would be extended, which meant that there was a potential doubt there. You never really had that situation. Obviously, you got, it got away from Croton, but they were in the conference, and they were able to quickly rebuild, and Bronco Mendenhall will go down in history as a masterful rebuild job basically on the fly. And a lot of it wasn't necessarily getting new players, getting better players. It was about maintaining or building, uh, reversing the course of the program with the players that were in the program. So I don't know that BYU is going to just all of a sudden knock it out of the park, but it's trying to gain momentum and traction. And that's why I think this game is bigger than a usual bowl game because you don't know if they're going to win, and with that in mind, it becomes a nice win. You know, last year against Western Michigan, I I thought they were going to win all along, and I think they were even down at halftime, if I remember correctly, but it still felt like they're going to win this game. They're just a better program. Well, I don't know that they're a better program right now than Hawaii historically, yes, but right now, no. So if you can find find a way to win this game, you reestablish some momentum that was obviously lost in the abysmal offensive performance against San Diego State, and I think this game is critical to the momentum of the program just in terms of feeling good yeah we're going in the right direction we're building something here come be a part of it so i see from a momentum standpoint it's actually bigger than the game itself to find a way to win and go in the off season with eight wins and you can show some measurable progress the last three seasons and that adds up to me in my mind making this thing an important game well i agree with you and that's why i disagree with you 
if that makes any sense. Why? Well, I agree no, with what ahead. you everything you say about measurable progress. I think that the whole thing, you know, recency bias, the most recent thing is the most important thing. If you win your last game and you finish 8-5, and five, we saw this in some of Kyle Winningham's uh, early seasons where they were up and down, you know, his first couple of years, but they finished with a couple of wins, and in those days the BYU game was right at the end of the year, and that always counts as more than one game when you win a rivalry game, and they win a bowl game. And I think we just saw it with Utah State. I just think the difference between 7-6 and six and 8-5 and five, it feels like a big deal. And you won your last game, and it changes the mood going into the offseason. So I'm with you on all of that. And, and that's why when you say bowl games, eh, uh, yeah. Because, and you use the example of the, the Boise State-Washington game. I mean, good grief. If you're missing a couple star players or if you're missing a coach, and you know, obviously some schools are missing both, it does throw – it's like if, if no one else is going to treat it like it matters, why should I treat it like it matters? But I feel like for BYU and Hawaii – well, it does matter. Hawaii's got a chance to say we have a 10-win season. Now, it doesn't mean what it used to mean because Hawaii's going to end up playing 15 games. <laughs> so they're going to be 10-5, and five, which doesn't even sound like a college football record to me. But nonetheless, the coaches get to fly all over the place recruiting kids. We're a 10-win team, son, and you're going to make us better. So I think it matters to them. And for BYU, it certainly matters because you can look at three years in a row, measurable progress as Kalani and the staff get their own guys into the program. You know, the first year, you're left the team you're left. And for better or worse, we know that. But the more you get into it, the more your staff is held accountable and judged on what they accomplish. So, of course, you want the arrow up. So, I'm with you on that. And the bowl games do matter, although i got to throw a few of them out because once you get coaches or multiple coaches, multiple players, some combination of that gone, it does it doesn't feel like a real game sometimes. But this one does, and I, and I think this one matters. So I think it matters way more to BYU than it matters for Hawaii because Hawaii, with their coach Rolo, they call him, he's already built something, right? They were in a bad spot. He's come in, and he's charismatic, and he has a personality, and people like to talk to him. We see that every year when they go to Vegas and have the Mountain West uh, media days there, and he's doing something that's drawing attention in a positive way to himself and to his program, right? It seems like people really like him. So he's built something. He's on the way. He's, he's established more, in my mind, than what Kalani's established. So, yeah, you want to win all games you play. We understand that. But he's already proven that he can take a program and make it better. I don't think Kalani has proven that yet. He's on the way, and this one would be another – it's a small dose, another uh, small part of evidence, but it would be some evidence that you can add to his folder, so to speak, that, yeah, we are building something. Because, two, when you look at the number of returners, they're they're – they're impressive. The amount of people returning in the program, there's a lot of returning starters, a lot of folks that have gotten playing experience, and they're going to need it next year because we say this, it seems like we say this about every year, oh my gosh, this is the toughest schedule that they've ever had in the program history, and it seems like we've been saying that for the last five years every season, and we're going to say it again next year as we get into it. So that's why I think that this is important because it really shows some progress, and then you can say, all right, well, you know, Zach Wilson, he played poorly in that uh, San Diego State game. He's still coming back from the injury, blah, blah, blah. Well, if he plays well, then it's like, all right, he's on his way. If he doesn't play well and then they go and they if – they, if he doesn't play well and they make a change and they still win the game, that's a good scenario. 
But if he doesn't play well and they make change at quarterback and they lose, well, then it throws into complete, not necessarily chaos, but you start going, you're going in the offseason. Who the quarterback of this program? And we just invested what we thought was a year and a half or two years in a kid. And now we didn't even know if he's going to be the quarterback as a starter in his junior year. And it just adds to the unsettled nature of the program. So for me, I want to see them get this win and have this kid play well and solidify where they're at going forward and feeling good about it because I think they really, really need to have positive vibes going into the offseason. Certainly that would help, and I do think that for a BYU team that has ridden the roller coaster within the season and even within games, uh, if they do that against Hawaii, they're going to get punished. When you go back and look at Hawaii's season, uh, they haven't beaten a lot of great teams, but they've beaten a lot of good teams. Uh, you know, being a Mountain West team, they beat Pac-12 teams. I think anytime you're in the Mountain West and you beat Pac-12 teams, whether it's the bottom of the league or the middle of the league, uh, you know, they opened up with Arizona and Oregon State wins. They beat San Diego State for the division title. You know, this Hawaii team yeah. is a lot like last year's Utah team, I think, as far as mentality going into the bowl game. They've had a successful season beating San Diego State at home in their last conference game to clinch the uh, spot in the title game. They hadn't been to the conference title game yet. They're seven years into it now in the Mountain West. That was Hawaii's first trip to it. And nobody really expected them to win at Boise State. They'd already lost it in the regular season. So they only lost. I, I think Hawaii only has one bad loss. Um, I mean, you don't like any of your losses. But if you lose to uh, – they lost to Washington and Air Force. and It was at Washington. Uh, home to Air Force, and they lost at Boise State twice. And I don't think you really hold any of those up and say, well, that's terrible. Now, losing to Fresno, that was a bad loss. And to your point about, other than that, though, uh, Hawaii did what they were supposed to do and maybe overachieved in a couple games. And I think that, um, you know, your point about you got to get the bad taste of that offensive performance against San Diego State out of your mouth, Hawaii has played in a bunch of high-scoring shootouts. If the offense has a bad game and doesn't produce in this bowl game, I think that's on the BYU offense. Sometimes you can look at the other team and say, hey, they're really good too. But when you see 42-40, 41-38, 45-31, 59-37, there's a bunch of high-scoring games here. The defense will almost certainly have to give up points, and it's going to be on the offense to keep the Cougars in this game. And that ought to be doable because a lot of teams have scored points. And the teams that haven't scored points – uh, UNLV played a low-scoring game, and the coaching staff got fired. San Diego State played a low-scoring game and lost it to Hawaii. Well, San Diego State's played a bunch of low-scoring games. That's what their games look like. But other than that, there's a bunch of high-scoring games on this schedule. So if the Cougar offense doesn't perform, then it's probably on the Cougar offense. Well, I totally agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. I want to throw this one at you and get your thought on this. If Zach Wilson plays well, he's the starting quarterback next season for the first game. If he doesn't play well and is replaced, he's not the starting quarterback next season. Ooh. Well, the first one's easy to agree with. If he plays well, he is the starting quarterback next season. Uh, if he doesn't play well, and they got, they've got two other quarterbacks who've played well in limited playing time, admittedly. And... I guess the job is open, but I can't guarantee you he doesn't start. I know why you're saying it, and I can't guarantee you're wrong. Uh, it seems like 
it'd be open. But the problem with going with the other guys is Zach's on tape for defensive coordinators in a way the other guys really aren't. You know, you can play, and it doesn't matter, college or pro, we see it. You know, you can play two or three games and you want to play well and all that. But if you do, I think we all have watched enough football to know, well, a quarterback gets six, seven, eight games in, can he still get it done? I mean, just this year, I think Ryan Tannehill getting a chance with the Titans and they started winning, but nobody really believed because he's Ryan Tannehill and they're the Titans. You know, if Belichick pronounces something, okay, he's right because he's Belichick. Uh, you know, and Tannehill's nine games in, six and three as a starter now. You got you to gotta keep doing it. And the other guys, you know, they, they haven't had their six, seven, eight chances yet. So it'd be interesting to see if they would make the switch. I guess it would depend on what okay. the problem was. But you think they were pretty close to making the switch at San Diego State, and they should have. How much are you guessing right now, and how much are you educated well, guessing? Because I don't think, I don't think you healthy- can know. Uh, I, no, I don't. I don't know. No, I mean, yeah. there's so much to, to to be out there. But I think that what I do know is that they didn't really have an alternative in that uh, San Diego State game because, uh, if I remember correctly, Hall wasn't cleared, and Romney was battling an injury, and so they could have gone to Critchlow, obviously, but they they weren't necessarily interested in doing that, so they were sticking with Wilson. My thought is. And Critchlow's gone, right? He's going to transfer. He's going to transfer, right? That if, yeah, if Hall comes in and plays well, or Romney, whatever it might be, then these guys go into the off season with a firm belief that I can be the starting quarterback. Whereas if Wilson comes out, and I'm hoping this happens. I mean, I don't want, I don't wish nothing evil upon Zach Wilson for sure. Uh, that he comes out, plays well, and they say, all right, I needed to get back. I needed some time to get back from the injury. Now look at I got back, you know, because the San Diego State game, the way the bowl plays, is another three weeks removed from the last game to the bowl game. And so he comes out and plays well. Then the other two guys, uh, they go in the offseason, all right, now I'm battling for number two. I just think that's a different mindset when you go into the offseason thinking, I got a legitimate chance to be the starting quarterback. And whoever it is, they're all still, all three of them are pretty young. They still have at least half, if not more, of their college careers to go. And I think that just adds to the incentive to make sure you're working out the best you can possibly be so when we reconvene for spring ball that then I can make a major step. And and coming out of spring ball, I can be in the lead. And spring ball is basically tomorrow, the way <laughs> you think about it. I mean, it spring is. ball, before we know it, it's spring ball. All right, DJ and PK, I you know, I, I can sign off on that. If 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 they do change quarterbacks, the guy who comes in and plays well is going to think he's got a great chance to win the game that, or to win the job. That I absolutely believe. But I can't guarantee he'll win it. But absolutely, it'll be, it'll be open in the spring if they have to switch quarterbacks in this game. I don't think they will. I don't think the Hawaii defense is that good. I think BYU is going to move the ball and score points. I don't know if they'll score enough points. Uh, BYU is a two-point favorite in this game. Hawaii scores points in bunches. That cannot be debated. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.